This is VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Let's Talk Adoption, Marty Caldwell. Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. I'm Marty Caldwell. I'm your host, and we've got a great planned um, program for you today with some very interesting information with a lovely lady. So I hope you'll enjoy our show. Sit back and take some notes, too. Let's Talk Adoption gives you a unique opportunity to share and contribute. Um, You can share your thoughts, feelings, and ideas for upcoming shows with us just by emailing us. If you have any questions about adoption or the adoption process, email us through our website at letstalkadoption.com, and we welcome your comments, um, and we try to get all your questions on the air um, answered each week when we take our adoption mailbag. Today our guest is Elizabeth Mallory, and she is the director of No Child Left Out Foundation. And Elizabeth gave up her position as a management consultant to adopt two young orphans from Cambodia and to start the No Child Left Out Foundation. So we have a lot to learn from her um, and the show. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you. It's really nice to have you here and join us. Tell us, what happened um, in your life that inspired you to change your life um, so drastically from being a management consultant uh, in your town and and minding your own business, uh, so to speak, into this wonderful program you have? Well, it kind of started about three years ago when um, uh, I had a very fulfilling life, you know, working and I had a wonderful daughter and a husband, and we were all doing fine, and then uh, I started to feel dissatisfied with my life, that I wasn't really making any difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, working in the, the world of management, you do a lot of uh, training and working with employees where the only goal, of course, is to uh, get people working faster and harder and making more money. <laughs> right. Um, basically, what happened was one evening um, I started surfing the Internet, looking for something to um, greater fulfill my life, and I ran across international adoption oh. and brought that idea up to my husband. And what did he say? Well, he at first said, I thought we were only going to have one daughter. And um, so we had to kind of rethink our plans. And, uh, How old was but, your daughter? Um, at the time, she was, let's see, she would have been about three. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, we also had two older boys that were my husband's from his first marriage. And um, so we were kind of set, but... Uh, I kind of got hooked on this idea that um, there were children out there that needed families, and we had a wonderful family, a wonderful home, and we had lots more love that we could give. That's great. What, tell us now, the organization, um, No Child Left Behind, Left Out, um, what is it all about, your, your organization? What does it mean, and, and how does it function? Well, what happened was, um, in the process of, of our adoption from Cambodia, I traveled to Cambodia. It was my first time really um, out of the country, besides down to, like, the Caribbean. Um, I traveled by myself overseas. Did, did you, now, did you, go with, did you work with an agency, or how did no. you find out about children? No. I actually did my research on the Internet and decided that the best way for us to adopt was to adopt independently. So we did not have an agency or a facilitator. Well, it's the second time I've had a guest on that's on independent. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. I want to hear about this. Yeah. We, we thought that since we already had um, children in our home, we thought it was very important for us to actually meet the children personally mm-hmm. um, that we planned to bring into our home just to kind of get a feel for what life would be like adding new children to our family as well. Um, and so we wanted to be able to travel overseas and actually meet the children personally. And the best way we found to do that was to adopt independently. 
Um, so when I did travel overseas on my first trip, I was just amazed at what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen poverty before down in the Caribbean, um, Jamaica, and all those islands where um, you know people are living in huts on the sides of the on the sea. But uh, Cambodia was different. It was amazing. What was it like? What, was, what made it different than the poverty we see in, in Mexico or these other countries? You know, for me, I think it was just there were two things. First of all, just the overabundance of it. Everybody was struggling. Um, even in the, the main cities, you're dealing with, you know, horribly dirt roads and no sanitation system, and there's there's no social services to support the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no support for them. But on top of that, what really shined through for me was the children. Even though they are so poor, they are so loving and so unbelievably happy <laughs> without having anything. Wow. Um, it's just something in, innate to their, their character that is just, it's so beautiful. Were they in orphanages, or were they in foster type of foster homes, or were they just living on the streets, or what did you find? Uh, we found a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, of course, where I was visiting was orphanages. I visited 23 different orphanages. And how did you find out where the orphanages were? Well, it was research. It was legwork. I, uh-huh. um, I did hire a, a driver that spoke English in Cambodia, and he, he knew of some. We went to the, uh, the governmental offices, and they gave us a list of where orphanages were. Mm-hmm. And I just basically went around the country um, and visited different orphanages seeing children. When I traveled over, I took with me a lot of um, gifts and donations. Mm-hmm. And there were several families that were in the process of adopting, and uh, they had sent me also with things for children they were adopting as well as things for orphanages they possibly had brought a child home from previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the start of No Child Left Out. Um, besides kind of looking for our own children that we were planning to adopt, I was also taking... Uh, you're on a mission field. Yeah, you were, you were concerned about the children then. I was. So it was... It, I spent, my focus was split between looking for our own children as well as seeing all these other children and bringing supplies and donations and things like that. Do you still travel over there now? Yes. Yeah, matter of fact, I just got back. Really? I got back three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my sixth or seventh trip. I'm beginning to lose count wow, in the last um, two years. So uh, I have so many questions here, too. How did the adoption of your two children lead to start that? As Connie, you did it at the same time then, start the organization? Basically, yes. The first trip I made over, of course, I was looking for our own children, and I also had some supplies for orphanages and children that were waiting to come home to their families. I see. Um, I made. I hadn't been home a week, and I started begging my husband, let me go back. I'm not, there's, there's more I need to do over there. I, I haven't found our children, mm-hmm. and I, I need to go back. And three months later, I made a second trip to Cambodia and um, by yourself again again by myself wow. took more supplies more donations visited more orphanages and I came home and I knew I knew that was the purpose of my life mm-hmm. um, I came home and I had a long talk with my husband because he had retired actually um, he was at home helping to raise our daughter and I was of course working full-time and uh, we decided to switch tracks and my husband decided to go back to work teaching two jobs and wow. I closed my um, consulting and management training company. Mm-hmm. That's a big life change. It was. You must have felt very <laughs> compelled to these children. Um, do you only work with children in Cambodia? No. Um, it started, of course, with Cambodia. And my heart is, is with Cambodia. I've discovered that. Um, but what I look for and what I've been able to find are other people who have been as moved by other countries that they've visited or, or things that they've seen where they feel compelled 
to help the children there. And the way our organization is set up is that we bring on um, a country leaders for different countries that then run the programs for those countries to help the children there. And do you, um, we're going to get into donations, that type of thing, too, that people make for that. But um, what kind of needs do they have over there, uh, these, the country leaders for the children? And how do, they, how do you know it's being done properly? Well, we set up a team in the country as well as a team here in the United States nice. to help manage and uh, monitor the programs. And, of course, we make regular trips over there to, to check up. But all of our, of course, all of our donations are photographed. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a real strict accounting procedure. Uh, one of our main rules of thumb that um, I'm, I'm a real nitpicky person when it comes to making sure there's no corruption going on, <laughs> yeah. that I, um, I'm adamant that we don't ever give funds. Mm-hmm. Funds are always used to purchase needed supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, That's wise. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting as I'm listening to you, too, as I know in my own work I do with adoption, it was like God led me to that through all the pain and stuff I went through. Really, your management skills came in beautifully in this because you're having to manage team leaders and teams over there and here and organizing things. And it would be very difficult if you didn't have that background. Isn't that true? Yes, I suppose that's true. My, my project management background has come in handy. <laughs> I just think that that would be just a natural, too. Um, so considering the demands of three young children and two recently adopted, how do you balance your, your home life and work at this point? Because you are doing this pretty much full-time, aren't you? Yes, yes. Um, I probably estimate that I spend close to 60 hours a week for No Child Left Out. Wow. Um, I basically don't sleep. <laughs> yes, I guess not. <laughs> um, I, I work a lot of late nights. matter of fact, a lot of our uh, sponsors that support our organization are frequently getting emails from me at 2 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I, I, my husband is a teacher, so he does have... Um, more free time than a, a typical business person that would go to work at, say, 6 in the morning and not home till 6 or 7 at night. Um, his days are a little shorter, and, of course, his summers are free. So we do manage the uh, the children that way. We kind of share here, and, and uh, I fit the organization in when I can. So you did. when did you find your children you were going to adopt? Um, I actually found our son on our my first trip over, which was May of '02, mm-hmm. and then uh, I found our daughter on my second trip, which was September of '02. And they didn't actually come home until '03. And and how old were they when they did come home to you? Um, when my son came home, he was uh, 21 months mm-hmm. in the spring of '03, and my daughter was three and a half when she came home this past fall. Wow, that's great. Are you planning on adopting any more? I would love to. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> My husband would need a lot more convincing. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of work with little ones that need a lot, uh, a lot of extra care too. Yeah, share with us um, just a snapshot um, of what life is like for children in orphanages in, in, in Cambodia. Let's just go look at Cambodia at this point. Well, uh, of course, there's there's a lack of food for starters. Um, their main food that they get every day is rice. I have photos upon photos of um, just bowls of rice. That's what they get. If they're lucky, they'll have a little bit of greens mixed in on a, and some maybe shrimp paste or fish mm-hmm. paste, uh, which is kind of fermented fish juice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the extent of their protein. The children are fairly malnourished. Um, you can tell it, first off, by their hair. You'll notice that their hair will have a lot of red highlights, and if they're severely malnourished, it'll actually turn almost a blonde. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have a photo of a little girl in front of me right here that has almost blonde hair, of course, she should have dark black hair, mm-hmm. um, but from malnourishment, that's what she has. Uh, Can that be reversed at all? 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, I've watched my son go through it. <laughs> he's changed from his cha- hair changed uh, when he probably got lost. He's, he's back. He's back to black again. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we've got more questions for Elizabeth regarding uh, the No Child Left Behind program that she founded. Interesting about Cambodian orphans. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. This is Dr. Peter Thames. I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant. Today, more and more student-athletes are bypassing college and heading straight to the pros. Matt Bush, Freddie Adu, LeBron James. Discuss the benefits and pitfalls of going pro on the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks provides straightforward, no-nonsense talk about the current and sometimes controversial topics facing student-athletes and their parents today. Agents want to make money. Schools want the publicity. The Sport Mavericks wants what's best for you. So whether you or your child is thinking about bypassing college or looking for the best university to showcase their talents, listen to the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks, smart talk for parents and athletes. My name is Larry Lippman, host of Employee Benefits Radio on voiceamerica.com. I am America's Voice. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. My name is Stephen Chagrin, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hi, it's Sky and Denny. Come be a fly on the wall every Thursday at 1 p.m., and you're a guest at Sky and Denny's Cocktail Hour. Hop in to meet the inner circle of business experts, self-help advisors, celebrities, and other fascinating guests as they share their secrets for personal, business, and financial success. Our inside tips will help you be more successful in starting or running a business. So please join us for the Cocktail Hour every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Internet Leader in Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. This is VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. 
If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty. Well, welcome back, and I hope you all got that um, email down. This week, we're offering a free copy of my book, AdoptingOnline.com, to the 12th person that emails us with their adoption question. You can send any question you'd like in, anything you have personally or you'd like to have answered on the air. If you're the 12th email in, coming in to us at uh, info at letstalkadoption.com, we'll go ahead and mail you um, a free book, a um, new book of mine, the AdoptingOnline.com book, which is uh, 512 pages. So get those questions into us right away. Today we're speaking with Director Elizabeth Mallory about her foundation, No Child Left Out. And, and we wanted to make sure during the break um, Elizabeth made a good point that I had accidentally misused the name of her company. Um, can you Let's clarify that. This, your company is called No Child Left Out. Yes. And President Bush has a, a program. It's No Child Left Behind. So I want to make sure that I'm not confusing anybody. Um, this is a different program, right? Right. And actually, I can tell you a little how we got the name. Uh, The name started before the organization existed when we, uh, a group of adoptive families, went to Washington and marched on Washington to have them reopen adoptions in Cambodia. And at the time, No Child Left Behind was a big um, issue there in Washington. And so we, we chanted, No Child Left Out. Mm-hmm. And the name stuck, and a lot of people started to affiliate me with that name. And so when we started the organization, that's what we used. That's wonderful. That's great. And that was about three years ago. Yep. That's wonderful. Let's get back to some of the questions. Uh, I know that I sharing. we want to share your website, too, if we can share that now so people can write that down. What is a website where they can go and get more information, too, about uh, your program? Sure. It's www.ncloo. Dot org. Okay, that's easy. No mm-hmm. child left out. Okay, now tell us about, we're going to talk about adoption here in a little bit and how people can get involved, but I want to find out more about the major accomplishments um, that, that NLC, um, NCLO has done. Tell us about some of those. Okay, well, uh, one of our big programs that we started in '02 was starting a rice delivery program. Uh, the World Food Program quit delivering rice to the orphanages in Cambodia, and so we started um, to try to fill some of those needs with the orphanages. Since um, the fall of '02, we've delivered 132,000 pounds of rice. Wow. And so that's been very helpful. Um, many of the orphanages rely on that, that monthly supply of rice that we provide. Mm-hmm. Um, we also provide educational assistance for children. In Cambodia, the children, in order to pass their grades, they're required to give a bribe to their teachers, which is uh, not a good thing. But, of course, orphans who have no family to even provide any money for that bribe to pass your school grade um, have no way to pass. Um, And not that we provide the bribes, but we have moved those children to other schools where we pay a tuition for them to have a better education. Um, That's one of the things we're doing, as well as providing school uniforms, school supplies. We provide bicycles for the children. Several of them have um, a couple of miles to get to school, Mm -hmm. and uh, we provide bicycles for that. Um, We have um, set up programs with um, dental and medical clinics that will provide um, very discounted um, support for the children. Their teeth are in very poor condition, so uh, we we have regular now dental treatments that they go through. Mm -hmm. Um, English classes, many of them want to learn English. It seems to be the only way to get ahead is to um, actually become fluent in English. You'll have a chance at then getting a job when you are older. Mm -hmm. So that's another one of our programs. 
Um, but probably one of our most important programs right now is our child sponsorship program. Mm-hmm. Tell us and about that. yeah, a lot of organizations out there will do a child sponsorship program. I think what's really different about ours is it's extremely personal. Mm-hmm. We know these children personally. Um, sponsors can write to their children, mm-hmm. and they will receive emails back from their child, photos of their children. We provide birthday parties. We've taken kids to the zoo through the sponsorship programs. It's it's a lot of fun, and it's a great personal program to be involved in. The, and they can find out more about that program on your site than the yeah. yep. Um The What are your long-term goals um, for the organization? Well, our long-term goals are, of course, to uh, continue with our, our sponsorship um, programs. We just came back having launched two new groups of sponsorship children over in um, Cambodia, so we are looking for sponsors for those. But on a larger scale, we are looking to establish our first NCLO center, Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to start that one in Cambodia because that is where our programs all began. And basically our, our center will serve as a hub for all of our programs and activities that we're doing there in that country. And the, the centers are just a, a building that you, you build in and have everything in one place? or um, To some extent. What it is is um, we're going to start with a leased facility mm-hmm. um, while we hopefully raise capital to um, actually build a, a uh, center that will be out further in an agricultural district. But the center will will serve four primary purposes. It will be a home for orphan children. Mm -hmm. It will serve as an educational center for children. It will serve as a a, a place for us to organize to help the community Mm -hmm. and also serve as a resource for other orphanages. And what I mean by that is um, we are hoping to be able to help train other orphanages and to share resources whether that be nannies to help care for children, mm-hmm. food supplies, um, uh, clothing, educational assistance, things like that. We want to share with a group of orphanages, kind of like a co-op type system. Yeah. How many, how many orphanages or orphans are there in Cambodia on average? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot. Um, the last estimate that I have down is that there's over 200,000. And in a small area like that, and do some of these children still exist on the street? Oh, many of them do, and that is, it's devastating um, to see the children. I have seen six-year-old children walking down the street sniffing uh, bags of glue, paper bags of glue, um, and they're, uh, some of them, by the time they're eight or nine years old, there's, there's no brain left to these children. They're, they've totally wasted their life. Other children have made their way to the garbage dump where they spend their day sifting through the garbage to find things that are of value to be able to trade them in to have enough funds to buy rice for their family for the day. Um, other children turn to prostitution, which there's a very high prostitution ring, prevalence of that in Southeast Asia, um, very young children, which is extremely sad. We work with one group that helps to get those children off the street. Mm-hmm. And so are, is there, do you have a, a religious affiliation at all with uh, NCLO? No, we're not affiliated with any specific denomination. Do you have any denominations that help you? Or Yes, we do. Um, we've had support from the Catholic Church, the Presbyterian Church, uh, Lutheran. Quite a few different denominations have chimed in to help us. And what makes this different from the other nonprofit organizations, your organization? I think primarily what makes this difference is that we are small. Even though we're accomplishing great things, we are a small, close-knit organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had, for instance, one of our sponsors wanted to um, uh, send their congratulations to their sponsor child who had just 
scored really well on their final exams for the school year. And so we arranged to have that child delivered a large bouquet of flowers sent with a personal note from their sponsor. We took photos of the whole event, and the, and the child sent a letter back to his sponsor. And that's something you're not going to get with a larger program. You're not going to get a form letter from us. You're going to get everything is personal. Yeah, and that's really nice, too. You know, people are going to ask, um, how how can they get involved? I mean, many of our people listening, families listening, are people that want to adopt or have adopted, but many of them would like to look for areas that they can donate to or, or do other things. What can people do to get involved with uh, your program? Well, um, there are lots of things, and we have several of them mentioned on our website, so I do recommend that, uh, in case I don't hit on them, <laughs> that you uh, visit our website at nclo.org. Um, but first off, spread the word about the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, see if your employer, your community organizations, clubs, dentists, doctor, even your church would like to get involved. We've recently had churches um, putting together, and Boy Scout, Girl Scout groups, mm-hmm. putting together what we call mission bags, which mm-hmm. are um, what we use is we use a one-gallon Ziploc bag with the, like the, uh, the, the one that has the zipper across the top. Mm-hmm. And... Um, those groups fill those bags with whatever they feel a child would like to have. Um, it can be a, items of clothing. It can be school supplies, toys. And then we deliver those bags around the country to children. And the smiles are just unbelievable. So people can actually mail these to you, and you pay for the shipping to get them overseas. We take them overseas. We do ask for a $5 um, to tuck $5 in the bag, which helps us cover the transportation for the extra baggage when we take them overseas. Mm-hmm. And what um, not to include in there? I mean, you don't want to include We don't want perishables. Okay. Um, so no food. And um, ants are a big problem. So if we have food, it just draws the ants right in. Mm-hmm. And also we ask that you do not include any liquids. Okay. Um, the pressure from the airlines, of course, those things explode, and we end up with toothpaste or, or shampoo all over everything. Okay. Um, but other than that, it's kind of free reign. We ask also that they don't include any violence-related toys. Okay. Right. Um, and they will definitely get through. That's the biggest thing. I think a lot of people worry that they, they won't get through if they do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and the other thing that um, that we like to, to push with our organization is it's it's wonderful if you can give donations of funds. Every organization, of course, can use those. Yeah. Um, it makes us more flexible. But we have several ways people can get involved that don't involve sending money. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's things that we need all the time, and um, you'll find a list of those things on our website. Yeah, that'd be fun to go to again and, and show them. Um, we've got just a little bit more time. I wanted to ask you some more. You said the volunteers can travel to the countries where you're working. What would you do? Um, what would they do when they get there? Oh, that that's a wonderful part of our program. We just completed our, our first volunteer trip. We had volunteers from the United States and Australia join us in Cambodia. Um, basically, you tailor your own trip. You let us know what it is that you like to do and would like to do for the children, and we will find avenues for you to be able to do that with us to help them. That's wonderful because people are really hands-on opportunities to go ahead and do that, too. When we come back, we've got more questions for Elizabeth, um, and we're going to be talking about her a little bit more about the adoption program. So right back at this break, do not touch that mouse. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. 
All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. My name is Karen Green, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The bond between a mother and her child is a special one. It's full of joy and excitement, but also full of uncertainty and questions. Mothers, tune into the definitive source for parental advice. Listen to Babies and Moms, Breastfeeding and Beyond, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. On the show, host Sheila Janikos will discuss a wide variety of topics related to raising your newborn child. Sheila will also welcome on expert guests who will inform, educate, and entertain you. Do it for yourself. Do it for your new child. Listen to Babies and Moms, Breastfeeding and Beyond with Sheila Janikos every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This is Beth Warren host of Workworld's Radio Hour on voiceamerica.com. I am America's voice. Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant. Today, more and more student-athletes are bypassing college and heading straight to the pros. Matt Bush, Freddie Adu, LeBron James. Discuss the benefits and pitfalls of going pro on the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks provides straightforward, no-nonsense talk about the current and sometimes controversial topics facing student-athletes and their parents today. Agents want to make money. Schools want the publicity. The Sport Mavericks wants what's best for you. So whether you or your child is thinking about bypassing college or looking for the best university to showcase their talents, listen to the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks, smart talk for parents and athletes. My name is John Jensen, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you are a self-published author or an independent publisher, you know how difficult it is to gain maximum exposure. For the latest ways to increase publicity for your work, tune in to On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. On the show, Maxine will interview thriving independent authors and give you the opportunity to call in and have your questions answered. She will also teach you fresh and innovative ways to gain more visibility and enhance sales for your book. The printed word has the ability to record culture and make history. Once again, that's On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Make your words count on voiceamerica.com. This is voiceamerica.com, America's voice. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now once again, here's Marty. Well, welcome back. And today we're speaking with Elizabeth Mallory, director of No Child Left Out Foundation. Next week, adoption professional of Pritchett Domer, um, is going to go join us, and we'll be speaking about children who are adopted. Um, she's, going to, she's the author of Talking to Your Child About Adoption and numerous other books relating to adoption and adoptee searches. 
so um, we've had a lot of questions coming in about how to best tell our children they are adopted. And so Patricia, donor, is going to go ahead and help us with that. We're excited to have her on the show next week. Now, Elizabeth, before we left for break, we were talking a little bit about what volunteers can do in traveling to the countries, and you had mentioned you have 35 um, volunteers approximately. And um, actually, during break, I asked you the cost of, of traveling over there, which is very affordable. Um, you know, I was thinking this would be very expensive, but it, for a for, volunteer to go over and spend their time and really you know i'm hearing a lot of people saying the same thing you had said at the very beginning of the program the top of the program but we want to do something in life that's making a difference and um and very often we end up later in life in our maybe our our 40s uh, our 50s and say gosh what have i done and what mark am i going to leave on earth and um i know that's something that i think adoption really helps and especially the work you're doing i think is really helping um accomplish that um, so I take my hat off. Tell me, um, do um, you don't do adoptions, though, right? No, okay, we don't. Tell us how people. It's, Cambodia is closed right now. Yes, it is. Okay, and so what? Um, what other countries do you work in? Also, we're just beginning our programs in Haiti right now. Okay, and, and how's that going? Um, it, we're just starting. We're we're establishing our in-country team there, mm-hmm. and of course, we're waiting for things to calm down a little bit more. Um, we don't feel comfortable enough, of course, making any trips there yet. At right, the, at the state of the the country right now, um, but we have already started gathering supplies for them. Um, we are working on a um, a formula supply program for the children there, for the babies there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things that we're working on. Now, how you know people always ask us how much of the donations really get to the children? You know, I know that you have overhead, but you're all volunteers, right? Yes, we're all volunteers. Um, we don't have any paid staff, mm-hmm. um, other than our English teachers in Cambodia who are Cambodians. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only folks that we do hire are natives to the country, mm-hmm. and, um, and we try to use them as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, we are able to provide more than ninety-five percent of our funds get directly to the children. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, we minimize our expenses the greatest way we can. I mean, we're always looking to cut corners and costs, you know, so that we can get more of the funds to the kids. Yeah. Now, are you uh, as NCLO only open to U.S. volunteers, or can people in other countries get involved as well? No, we have uh, we have folks from all around the world. Matter of fact, we have um, we have sponsors from quite a few different countries, including Portugal, uh, Finland, Australia, Germany. The United Kingdom, all over. That's where we have our listeners in those countries, too. That's um, great. So that's great. And so, again, let's go ahead and give your website out of where people can go to get information regarding your program. Again, the A New Child Left Out program. Yes, it's www.nclo.org. And share with me, before we close, I want to find out, are there any opportunities for community groups, um, businesses, or church to volunteer also? Yes, we have a lot of different ways that groups and organizations can get involved. The one is through our Mission Bags program, um, and we do have information on that on our website. And have an address um, where they can send those things? Um, actually, they can find that all on the website. Great. Yep, and um, there's more information there about that. Also, uh, groups can get involved by um, deciding to sponsor a month of rice. Uh, that's a great way to get involved, sponsor what's children. Cost? What's the cost for a month of rice? Well, right now our our program is running about eleven hundred dollars a month uh-huh. for providing the rice for the children. Okay, and that feeds um, how many children? That provides that's uh, a whole that's meal. Providing, yeah, that's that's a lot. It's providing right now ten thousand pounds of rice. 
Wow, that's amazing. And, you, and the rice is purchased right there then, or is it imported? Yes. No, okay. we purchase it right there from local farmers so that we can, you know, help the, help the economy, the community there, yeah. Yeah, of rice, okay. And um, and that's basically all they're getting. I have a question for you. If greens and vegetables, are they just, you're just not able to get that? They don't grow it? Is it? Well, some of the orphanages are located in an agricultural district, so they do. They are able to grow some of those things. It's amazing that the orphanages do not share much between them. Some will be located on a river where they have lots of fish. Others will be located on a plantation where they have lots of fruit. Mm-hmm. They don't tend to share. I see. It's one of the purposes of the No Child Left Out Center. We want to help organize mm-hmm. a sharing cooperative system among the, mm-hmm. among the orphanages. The other question I know that um, comes in often, too, do you have any idea of when Cambodia may be open again? I know you're, you're hoping Oh, that, that question be- is asked so frequently. Um, I wish it would be tomorrow. The orphanages are so jam-packed with children there, and, and we do tend to focus our programs in countries where um, adoptions are not permitted because there are so many children waiting to mm-hmm. be adopted. Um, I, I couldn't really hazard a guess, mm-hmm. but I know that they... In my eyes, it doesn't appear that they're much further along than they were two years ago in opening the program. And what happened when they closed it? Uh, why was um, the closure? As, as typical, the United States, it's actually been closed from the United States side. It's not closed from the Cambodia side. Mm-hmm. Um, several countries have decided to not permit adoptions from Cambodia. The United States has been um, going through various adoption programs, as I'm sure you're well aware, and making sure that they are um, programs that can be, are consistently followed and that the the opportunities for corruption are decreased greatly, if not minim, you know, reduced completely. Um, with Cambodia, there were too many avenues for corruption to seep in, and they're trying so they, to protect the family, protect the country, and the, and the children. And the children, yep. Mm-hmm. And so, until Cambodia can put, as they always call it, a transparent process in place, mm-hmm. um, they've decided to not permit adoptions from Cambodia. Now, how about Canadians? Are Canadians or other families listening from other countries? Are they able to adopt from Cambodia? You know. um, as far as I am aware, Canada is still closed for adoptions from Cambodia, as well as France. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that Great Britain might be open now, but I'm not positive. Yeah, we have people from Australia and um, all over. Yeah, so they need to contact their um, probably their their country um, adoption organization find out if it's open too. Yes, because again, it's not a situation with Cambodia closing adoptions. It's the individual countries that are not permitting families to adopt from Cambodia. But people listening can still help and assist these children because even uh, I really believe, you know, what what goes around comes around, I believe, in in tithing and and giving back um, to um, different organizations you have passion for. And I think it's really important. And uh, for for us that are so blessed in the United States in our own way, compared to what um, these children have in Cambodia, um, you know, our children grow out of clothes, or they just don't like them, they don't wear them. And, and you're talking about children that need clothing over there, and they need food, right. and um, and other items. Any other items, just briefly, they can put into that um, missions bag. Oh, the small toys are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, school supplies, they always need those. Mm-hmm. Um, pictures, pictures of, of life, what life is like outside of, you know, they only know dirt roads and one set of clothes and no shoes and 100-plus and degree weather. You know, they're fascinated to see yeah. snow, you know, see pictures of snow, fall, mm-hmm. you know, that, that concept, autumn, they don't have that. Um, they're, they, they love to have their eyes open to what, what else exists in the world. It gives them hope. Well, I think, yeah, go ahead. 
I think that I think it's really important people do this, and I would challenge um, challenge all of us to work with our children. And it's a good project with September coming up, and with school coming upon us to have a new project for our children. And I, I believe I know my children have learned quite a bit when they can reach out outside themselves and say, "What can I give to someone else?" And we get a lot of these little free toys at the fast food restaurants that come in our, our little bags, the kids' That's bags. Right. And uh, those probably perfect. Um, and a clothing they've outgrown or maybe never even worn, an extra Christmas gift and birthday gifts because we have an abundance over here. And I really feel that children learn by giving to other children, too. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, and I think that's, that's important, too. They can send crayons and, and things like that. Yes, we have we have a kids program actually that um, that helps to promote children helping other children, mm-hmm. and um, that's, if you want more information about that, you can find out about it on our website. But it's it's a wonderful way for children to learn the value of helping another. And you might want to send that to us also. Just information. I have another website for children. I'd like to put that on there. It encourages children to uh, reach out, and, I, and I'd be happy to add that on there for other children sure. to read. Um, what other thoughts? Um, would you like to share with our listeners today, Elizabeth? Well, the one thing I'd like to say is that um, even folks that may not have their hearts set on Cambodia, but maybe other countries, we are always looking for folks that have been moved by the situation in other countries. Write to us. Um, email us and let us know what's going on in those countries, what you've seen. And if you want to help, if you want to get involved, you know, we are open to starting programs in any of the countries that need our help. We're not limited just to Cambodia or Haiti. We're looking to help children worldwide that are in impoverished and disadvantaged situations. Right. And I think when giving back really um, blesses so many people, and you get blessed, too, in doing that, too. So I'm really a big one on, on giving and donating and getting back to other people, too. I want to thank you so much for your time today, Elizabeth, um, your, your help, uh, what you're doing with the children in Cambodia and now with these other countries starting up um, is wonderful, and um, I just wish you all the blessings and for your volunteers, too. And would you keep us abreast of how things are going? I will. That'd be great. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Marty. And when we come back, we're going to be doing our adoption mailbag. So hang in there. We'll take one break. We'll be right back with our questions. Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoptions of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All of their services are private and confidential, and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parents Seeking Families page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. My name is Gavin Jerome. My name is Andrew Sloss. My name is John Jensen. And I am. And I am. I am America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you tired of listening to political shows that put a slant on every topic? Get honest, straightforward talk with no spin. Listen to Political Propaganda or Not with Oliver Kelman every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. On the show, Oliver and guests will discuss major political events and issues from an independent, straightforward perspective. Political Propaganda or Not, cutting-edge commentary from the city where politics and politicians rule. Join Oliver Kelman every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This is Bill Rogers 
host of From Face to Fingerprint on voiceamerica.com. I am America's voice. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. My name is Andrew Sloss, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control, and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This is voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty. Well, welcome back to the show. And now we have our adoption mailbag, and each week we answer questions from our listeners. Luann is here to share our email questions with us. Welcome to the show, Luann. Hi, Marty. Our first question is from Francis in Maryland, who asks, I want to find my dad. Am I allowed to? Well, Francis, um, I want to say yes, definitely, but I don't know your age, and I don't know the circumstances regarding your adoption, if you're older or younger. And what I would encourage you to do is you're starting by asking questions. Your um, biological father, um, if they, they know where he is or you have information, you may want to go ahead and start by asking your adoptive parents if you're younger, if, if you're older, if your parents are still alive. So a lot has to do with what information you have, and I don't have that. Each state has different laws regarding adoption and whether you are adopted in an open adoption, a closed adoption um, through an agency, that's going to depend on how much information you can get out. So I would encourage you to uh, speak to some other people. Um, if you can talk to your family about that and just say you're curious and give them the reasons, um, or with a close friend or a counselor, and um, go from there and don't, um, don't just take the first no. Really get the facts on whether or not where you were adopted from, which state, if you're able to get that information. I think it's important. Thank you, and I hope that helps. And let us know, Francis, how that goes. Okay, our next question is from Kathy, who asks, what are the different types of adoptions available, and is there a special fund or financing for those who want to adopt special needs children? There are lots of different adoptions, and let me give you, um, I'm going to give you some information. My new book, AdoptingOnline.com, has a complete section on funding your adoption, finding financing, and I think that would help you quite a bit. Um, in the book, we have a, a huge section. Uh, we have a legal section on Chapter 4. And under the special needs in foster care, we also have a section on there. Um, funding your adoptions, Chapter 12, we talk about um, the cost, how much it's going to cost, um, where you can find funding, f- uh, creative fundraisers. Um, we talk about fundraising on eBay, borrowing money, um, and also grants. Um, and different assistance program, AAP program. So you might want to go ahead and, um, in fact, if you're the 12th 
email in today, we're giving this book away. So email in your adoption question to us. If you have a 12th um, email, uh, you'll be able to get a copy of this. But it's adoptingonline.com, and you can get it on the site. Um, it'll help you. But there are different types of um, adoptions available. There's special needs. There's infant adoption. There's older child. Um, there's um, newborn. We have adoptions overseas, international adoption, step-parent adoption, FAWS Adopt programs. All those are addressed in the AdoptingOnline.com book. And there are special funding and financing for those that want to uh, adopt special needs children with ongoing help, depending on the state you're in. So much of that is in the book, and I think it will help you tremendously saving money and finding resources. And in the back of the book, I have over 1,200 resources, too, so you can look that up. So, Kathy, I hope that helps you um, in knowing there are, there are a lot of decisions to make out there, but they're good decisions. Okay, and on to our next question. Okay, the next one is from Lulu, who asks, what sort of paperwork do I need in order to take the adoption tax credit? Um, again, I have um, information on our website, and um, you, you can go to li- lifetimeadoption.com, um, and you can go to a page It's for, for information about adoptive families. So if you go to the site, there is a page there for adoptive families, and you'll find some articles, and it talks about all the things you need for your tax credit. Also, if you would like, you can email us at info at letstalkadoption.com, and we will send you that link over also. But um, basically, you're going to need to keep all your receipts and um, all the paperwork that you've had from all your adoption professionals, any money you've put out in regards to your adoption, and then you'll need to take it to your uh, accountant. In my book, again, AdoptingOnline.com, I do have a worksheet there, and I have an article from a CPA that talks about how to get that tax credit. Many people have taken that article into their own CPA to read so they know exactly how to handle it. That's really important. So um, I hope that helps you, and do visit the site on the Lifetime Adoption um, site for that information on the tax credit. Also, IRS has some information um, on their site, too. Okay, our next question is from Angela. Angela asks, I've heard that some agencies place children so quickly they don't get the medical information to the adoptive parents. Is this true, and what is being done to protect adoptive children so they can get access to their medical records? Um, You know, Angela, I don't know what state you're in, and there's always going to be a few little glitches. Um, Sometimes uh, children are placed quickly, and medical information may not be available at all, or the medical um, facility holds back. I found that in the past, some medical organizations only have medical records copied once a month, and that means it has to wait, and if it's not done properly, it's bumped for another month. And so what we need to do is we need to have protection for the adoptive children and the parents, too, so they know what they're getting into. Many times the medical records are in many different doctor's offices throughout the United States, so it's very important that you um, get as much as you possibly can at the time if they're available. And if not, later on you can try to go back and get the medical records if you know where your child had medical care. Um, it just It's not always the fault of the agencies um, because very often the children have moved so many times and seen different doctors, and they have not been documenting where the child has been seen. Um, it's difficult to get them. But I think if you ask about them and, and stay diligent in it and see what you can do to help also to get those medical records, it'll make life a lot easier for you and be able to assess what the needs are of your child. I hope that helps you. Okay, and our next question is from Julia in Indiana. She says, my husband and I have been signed with an adoption provider for over a year. Is that normal? It depends on the organization. If you're working with an adoption professional and they only do four adoptions a year and they have 12 people 
like yourself on the program, then that's normal. So what you want to do is for people that, um, for you, Julie, I'd say probably speak to them and ask them, is there anything you can do to expedite um, the process? If your adoption professional says, gosh, you need new photographs or you need a new birth mom letter or we're missing some documentation, you know, marriage certificates or birth certificates or something like that, get all that in so you've done your part. You want to get everything back into their ballpark. Um, if they don't do a lot of outreach, you may want to do some outreach yourself, and um, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can put um, a little business cards, adoption cards, into your um, your mail when you mail um, out your bills. I did this for a long time. I still do it to this day, and I do get phone calls back. Um, there are many ways you can contact friends. You can put a signature in your um, email that goes out letting people know you're hoping to adopt. Many many of these tips I have listed in the AdoptingOnline.com book uh, in details and samples, and I think that's important that you do some outreach yourself. But um, it depends on how quickly they, they match. If you signed up with your adoption professional and they said it's going to take a year or two years or five years um, with some organizations, um, then you're in the norm. If anybody, If other people around you are getting babies and you're not, then you need to go back and look at what your profile um, looks like, and maybe there's something wrong. I'll give you an example. Um, I saw one yesterday of a family that's been waiting for a while, and one of the first lines on there was, you know, thank you so much for looking at our profile. Even though we're an older couple, well, they really weren't, but they put that in there. It was a negative comment. That's going to kill them. So that needs to come out right away and not have anything negative in the front, uh, front part of their dear birth mom letter. So you need to look at the whole picture and step back and get some additional help on that. Um, but many times waiting over a year now is not bad unless you had no feedback at all uh, and no nibbles. So I hope that helps you, Julia. Let us know how that goes, too. I think we have room for maybe one more. Okay, Madeline, an adoptive mother of two, asks, what do birth fathers go through when they finally realize their children are being placed for adoption? Good question, Madeline. Um, you know, it really depends on the birth father's relationship with the, the birth mother also his relationship in his life to his family, and, um, and how involved he was. If he's a one-night stand, he may not even know the child exists. If he, um, and I'm a real advocate of birth father registries, I like to see them all over because I feel that if a man has a relationship with a woman, he should assume that there might be a child that comes as a product of that um, as a result of his intimacy with her and that there should be a registry where he can sign up and he'd have a choice to say, I want this child or I do want to agree to the adoption. But um, it depends on the birth father, and we have a lot of wonderful birth fathers out there that really want to get involved, but normally the average is about 25% of the birth fathers are involved with adoption plans. And uh, many of them don't care, um, uh, uh, so that makes it very difficult. Um, some of them just want to stuff their feelings, and they may have a difficult time expressing those feelings, and adoption is a very emotional one. No man wants to believe he can't take care of his offspring, and um, that doesn't make him a bad person, but he may just have never have learned and been shown as an example of how to deal with feelings, or he may have been brought up in a home without a, um, a good role model and doesn't know what it's like to be a father. So, um, and he may just be young. Um, or we have birth fathers that are married and already have a family, and this was a relationship on the side. So there are a lot of different feelings that birth fathers have, and when they when they finally realize later on in life this happened, sometimes they grow up and they realize and they want to go back and try to find the child and they can't. Um, other times they just leave it behind. It's a scar. It's deep down. And it, it's always good to bring that to the surface and work it out, but it's got to be up to the birth father whether or not he wants to do it whenever possible. And we've got some great birth fathers that have done this. They like to be part of that. They know this is the best uh, interest of the child, and they're there for their children to provide 
the um, the authorization, the sign-off, so their child can go on, and they know they were loved, and I think that's very important. So I hope that helps you a little bit um, on what the birth fathers are like, but they are a little different than uh, birth mothers, as, as men and women are. And so I hope that helps you, Madeline. So, Luann, thank you so much for your help today. And that's it for today's um, mailbag. And remember, our show is broadcast every Tuesday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Pacific, and again at 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern. Our programming guest information is listed on our site at letstalkadoption.com. And please sign up for our free newsletter and our Let's Talk Adoption reminder email list so you'll know when our shows are coming up and who's our guest for that week. This week, if you're the 12th person to email us with an adoption question, you'll receive a free copy of adoptingonline.com, so please email us through info at letstalkadoption.com. Thank you for joining us during this last hour. I hope you found the show to be informative and helpful. Until next week, this is Marty Caldwell with Let's Talk Adoption. God bless you. Go out and have a great week. You've been listening to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. Tune in again next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on voiceamerica.com.